0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show Podcast. On this episode, we talked to Muratesh of the Athletic because things are not going well for the Winnipeg Jets. Playoff hopes have all but vanished. What's gone wrong? What needs to change? We'll talk a bit about that as well. I'll talk to Dave Crook, the Athletic Director of the Westmen here in Winnipeg. They had a great weekend. The men's volleyball team into the final six at Canada West Play, the women's basketball team into the final four. We'll talk about it all on the podcast. Tomorrow night, Jets and Lightning to wrap up a homestand for the Jets that might be sealing their fate for the 2022 playoffs. To talk about that and all things Jets, we're joined by Murad Atesh of The Athletic. Murad, how are you tonight?
1: Hey, I'm doing just fine, Christian. How are you hanging?
0: I'm doing well. Uh, I think we're both better than the Jets' playoff hopes are. 3.5% uh, right now, according to Money Puck. Do you care about uh, such a stat? Do you find value in looking at those numbers?
1: I mean, I find value in it in a sense that as a general range, you know, 5% less than that, it's horrible odds. That's really all you need. I I don't care what the exact number is. Right now, the odds of Winnipeg making the playoffs are, quite frankly, horrible. They would have to not only go on a heck of a run and take care of their own business, beat teams like Tampa, beat all kinds of teams coming up. They also need favors from teams in the standings. They're trailing four just to make the wild card spot so it's not really the number for me so much as what that number means and just one stat that that might be you know amusing for you or for your listeners the winnipeg jets have seven games between now and the trade deadline they could go 7 and 0 win every single game two points every single time and raise their points percentage on the season up to 571 Do you know who has a 571 points percentage right now? The Edmonton Oilers one spot out of a wild card spot right now. So they could go on quite the tear and still not end up in play range.
0: (laughs) It's not looking great for the Winnipeg Jets right now. (laughs) And uh, they haven't won three in a row since, uh, well, the win over St. Louis, a two-week break for Christmas, and then two games out of that break. Uh, so, in terms of just the like, games that are happening all at once, it's it's been a long time that they've been able to string together a number of strong performances. And I know there's only seven games between the trade deadline and now, Murat. But there's been really nothing to suggest that a seven and zero run is is coming up for them.
1: No, because they've done nothing like it to this point in the season. Um, there there've really been no stretches where they've absolutely rolled teams possession wise either. You know. One of the things that can happen, and we we all have seen sports games where, let's say like Sunday against New York, where a team puts up 46 shots, they only score the one time. You can make a reasonably good argument that Winnipeg deserved better than that 4-1 loss. Um, But can you do that so strongly that it's without a doubt they absolutely got robbed? I'm not sure that you can. Um, Have they maintained that kind of of puck possession and, and shot clock dominance for seven straight games at any point this season? No. And so sometimes you get great teams that slump and struggle and lose games, but you can look for signs. And usually you see those signs in terms of, well, how much of the game do they spend in the other teams end of the rink? And Winnipeg's seen an uptick in that. They're, they're not a bad team by any stretch. They're kind of a 50-50 team in that sort of metric. But a 50-50 team uh, with Winnipeg, perhaps confidence issues right now, going through what they've gone through, is not really a good bet to suddenly chain seven wins in a row together or something you know astronomical like that.
0: I know Connor Hellebuck isn't having a, a season by his standards, four goals allowed in uh, three in a row, six goals in the game before that. But this is what I argued earlier in the show is that he was superhuman for a couple of years. All of a sudden, he's not quite there. And I think it exposes really the blemishes and the flaws on this team because he hasn't been able to bail them out like he was in years past. Do you see it that way too? Or is is he more of an issue that I'm letting on?
1: Well, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of nuance to the Connor Hellebuck situation right now. I mean, first and foremost, absolutely. When your goaltender is playing... I want to say poorly by Connor Helibuck standards, um, it's going to cost the team games. It's going to expose other weaknesses on the team. The interesting thing to me is that the Jets are actually much better this year compared to last or two years ago in terms of how many scoring chances they create and how many scoring chances they give up. So overall, this is an improved Winnipeg Jets team, which if you're looking from a scoring chance, a shot sort of metric perspective, but they're not finishing a ton. And Connor Hellebuck is playing like a slightly below average NHL starter. So all of a sudden the team that's improved looks worse than it was because they're giving up more goals. And with Connor Hellebuck, it's not that he's having a horrible season. He's not even in the bottom 10 amongst NHL starters in save percentage and goals saved above expectation and any of the metrics that you might look to to evaluate his play. Um, but, Because he's roughly 19th, 20th in that sort of range, and we're used to so much better for him, it certainly makes him stand out as one of the handful of things that has gone wrong for Winnipeg this season. Not a long-term catastrophe issue, but definitely a concern. and Maybe an argument that Eric Comrie uh, should get into the crease a time or two more than he has been.
0: Another issue that uh, I saw you reference today in your uh, article about uh, Jets by the numbers, that people can find on The Athletic, they just can't finish this year. And it's been a problem really since the start of the year.
1: Yeah, this is Winnipeg's worst finishing season since there has been a Winnipeg jets 2.0. And the metric that I use for that comes from hockeyviz.com. That's Micah McCurdy, who puts that together. What it does is it looks at expected goals created when Winnipeg's on the ice expected goals we're looking at the shots Winnipeg takes, where they come from, whether they're one-timers or not, a whole bunch of information that goes into how likely they are to score at any given shot that gets through. Um, for 10 years, Winnipeg has outperformed their expected goals almost, well, literally every single season, pardon me, especially when Patrick Laine was on the team. We know what kind of shot he has, but Kyle Connor tends to do it. Mark Sifley tends to do it as well. As a team this year, if the Jets had finished like an average NHL team has this season, they would have scored 33 more goals than they have. So when Mark Shisley is getting stymied as much as he did, especially during the first half of the season, certainly since the All-Star break, he's been great. When lots of, when Blake Wheeler's shooting 5% instead of what his average might be closer to 10, when these things happen, when Winnipeg's bottom six has largely been an offensive black hole, all of a sudden... A team that, again, creates more chances than it used to. It doesn't get the goals. We just talked about Connor Hellebuck, so it's not getting as many saves as it used to. This is why you get a team that's actually pretty good that's well outside the playoff picture.
0: And is that why it can be hard to articulate when we're asking players over and over, like, what's wrong? That it, it seems simple, like, well, if we just score more, if we finish chances, we'll be better. <laughs> that's, that's really the biggest issue?
1: Well, you can start to hear the sort of loss for words in them now. I mean, you know, I'm uh, just coming off a COVID protocol myself, so I was not in the room today or in the last couple. But you hear players like Josh Morrissey kind of say, like, I don't know why. It's tough. Unless you can point me to a specific game or a specific moment, I can't say exactly why we didn't win. And it's an unfortunate truth. I mean, the Jets have been in a lot of these games but then they don't get the save or they don't get that, you know, killer instinct goal or whatever you might might say. This isn't a team that gets run out of the building consistently. It really isn't. Um, but it definitely is one that's in a big hole standings point wise. And I mean, I don't blame them for a certain amount of shell shock about it because they they have generally been better than their record says they should have been.
0: Well, and uh, the Jets have also had a lot of games this year where it feels like, they got goalied in a way that the the Jets used to do to other teams and you know I I think of the the one game against Arizona here in Winnipeg where Carol Vimelka was awesome but at the same time it was like 40 something shots and they none of them felt super duper threatening and you know you look at yesterday as well where Igor Shosturkin who's a heart trophy candidate way better than Vimelka is on a consistent basis but again it didn't feel like over the over the whole stretch of the game, the Jets were super threatening. They get over forty five shots, but it's just, it just it felt like it wasn't there. It's it's hard to really describe something. It's as simple as oh, they just can't score. But how do you explain it? It really is hard to do.
1: It, it really is, and, and and that's the truth. I mean, the Jets have shot an awful lot of pucks, an awful lot of times, and seen the other goalie make an, an incredible number of saves. That's a, that's a real thing. And then you start trying to dig deeper. Well, did Winnipeg make Vimelka look good or did Vimelka just make things calm and easy and take away Winnipeg's opportunities? Same thing with Shisterkin the other day. I mean, Winnipeg has been goalied as frequently as Connor Hellebuck used to goalie teams. And, you know, I, I, I could see a certain amount of shell shock on their part when it comes to finishing and, and the deep dive and all of that. For me, that's why we start to to lean on things like where are these shots coming from? So you look at the heat map, you look at the shot locations, and and Winnipeg hasn't been an elite team by any stretch, but they've been a pretty good one. They've been an above-average one, so I really do think that they have come up against hot goalies, and they've also missed. I mean, I can think of a I mean, Mark Shively is back on a 30 goal pace, so I, I think his overall season offensively is going to be looked back on as just fine. But first half of the season, I can, I can play a highlight reel in my mind of him one-timing pucks over the net, into pads, around the net, and, and missing the sorts of things that he would typically bury. And I think that, you know, as one of Winnipeg's best offensive players, I, I've taken that to be kind of a symbol of, of the team game as well uh, this season. That's how I'm sitting right now.
0: What about deployment? Should the Dubois line play more? Should the second power play unit play more?
1: Well, I mean, anytime that somebody's talking about more minutes for Nikolai Ehlers, my ears perk up with uh, with agreement in agreeance. Um, you know, I concur, Christian. Uh, absolutely, I think so. Especially right now, um, you can support it metrics-wise, too. The second power play unit or the Ehlers unit, if you prefer, Um, They shoot more per minute. They move the puck faster. They get more scoring chances per minute than unit one does. And they've scored more goals per minute than unit one as well. So just in terms of an efficiency point of view, it seems like play unit two more, get more results. Is it because they're playing against tired penalty killers? Cause they tend to come out with 30 or 40 seconds left. Is it because coming out with 30 or 40 seconds left puts them in a state of almost panic. So they are moving quickly. I'm not sure, but their results are certainly better. Um, and there are times with the Winnipeg Jets where it feels like somebody could come in and just adjust the sliders of ice time, just a little bit and get a little bit more from them. And by the reason I say that is mostly Ehlers based. Certainly he's just come back from injury, but over the last, several seasons Uh, he leads all jets in points per minute of ice time and tends to position himself third fourth fifth in terms of ice time per game at the end of uh, at the end of the year Uh, there are moments I think that you know that's an opportunity wasted a prime aged player um, you know similar to Kyle Connor in that regard not necessarily getting prime aged minutes right now
0: and I guess that could be a maybe a question for the fall whoever's coaching the team If it's not Dave Lowry, and I I would predict it's probably not, but nonetheless, that's something to figure out down the road. In the more immediate future, Murat, and I'll get you out of here on this, two weeks now to the trade deadline, we're pretty convinced they're sellers, right?
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that assessment. Just as I mentioned, I mean, a seven-game winning streak doesn't guarantee a playoff spot, and the odds of that seven-game winning streak are kind of low. We've discussed that as well. Winnipeg had some key pending unrestricted free agents. Nathan Beaulieu just got hurt. We'll see what happens with him. Paul Stastny would have a tremendous amount of appeal to so many contenders. We saw what he did as a rental in 2018. And, um, you know, he still has quite a lot of game to him right now. And then Andrew Kopp. I think that's the that's the player I'm most certain will be moved, uh, you know, assuming the, the Jets are out of it, as we all believe that they will be pending unrestricted free agent you know can play up and down the lineup penalty killing we we we've seen it in winnipeg for a lot of years but i think he's headed to unrestricted free agency and a contender will come calling between now and the deadline well
0: that's something for sure to keep on our radar with seven games to go until then we're out appreciate your time as always glad to know you're uh, you're out of COVID protocol and on the rebound
1: this is day one and we love it thanks so much for having me christian
0: This past weekend, a very busy one in Canada West Athletics with the final four now determined for basketball and down to six teams left in volleyball. And the Westmen are part of the action still with the women's basketball team victorious in two games to advance to the final four, which will be March 18th and 19th in Saskatoon. The men's volleyball team hosting its pool in round one. And thanks to a pair of dramatic victories, they are through to the second round. And the next pool play round is in Alberta this upcoming weekend. Brandon and Alberta, the other two schools, will be a part of that. So let's talk about all of it with Dave Crook. He is the athletic director at the University of Winnipeg. Dave, how was your weekend?
2: It was crazy. It was. Uh, I I said to Larry after the game, I hadn't had that much fun. For a long time, it was wild to watch this team play. They did an amazing job.
0: So the Westman men's volleyball team rallies from two sets to one down twice. They win Thursday against the Bisons. They win Saturday against Calgary to advance. If if they don't win those, their season is done, especially the Saturday game, where they, they win that fourth set, and then in a fifth set that's just the 15 points, It hung in the balance, and then they just grabbed it. So I I guess that says a lot about this team, that twice with everything on the line, they were able to come through.
2: Yeah, they're gritty. They just find a way to stick together. And, you know, I mean, a couple of the plays were just phenomenal. You know, some of the athletes, I mean, the guys just played hard, and they never quit. They had opportunities to give give it up both now. I mean, the game against Manitoba, they're down – Eleven uh, six in the in the fifth set. You know, I mean, I think the odds of coming back to win eleven six down in a volleyball fifth set would maybe be what one in a hundred. You know that they would come back and and of course they found a way and they did it. You know they outscored Manitoba I think nine to one from that point on to you know to get the victory.
0: And what was it like being able to, to host a big event like that, especially after the the fact there was no sports at all last year.
2: Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. It was just so wild to be there, you know. The student, the other student athletes who weren't playing, who were all in the crowd cheering them on. I think the, you know, the just you know local fans, parents, everyone who was there was uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. The uh, the place was alive, and and the fact that there were so many, uh, you know, great matches like all three of ours going to five, Calgary, UBCO going to five the first night. It was just uh, you know some incredible volleyball. I mean. Uh, yeah, it was, um, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm sort of speechless, like it was that much fun.
0: And that's, I, I guess that's it for hosting things this year, unfortunately, but the teams are, are still alive with that Westman team moving on to, to take on the Golden Bears and the, and the Bobcats in, in next weekend's play. Uh, the women's basketball team also advancing. They beat Mount Royal by 12 on Saturday they beat Fraser Valley they had a big lead they almost let it get away end up winning by six Sunday against uh, Fraser Valley so they will advance to face the Cougars in the final four this has an opportunity Dave to for it for the Westman women's team to go to nationals it's, it's right there in front of them
2: yeah I mean we you know we thought all along that this was a team that that was a special group you know and they had an opportunity and you know they've had a lot of pressure on you know on them all year long they've played they've you know they sort of answered the bell all the time you know they went to this tournament the first time ever Canada West went to a 17 team sort of single elimination tournament they they won their games they uh they just played nice basketball all season long and I, and they kept it going this uh, this past weekend and you know the, they were the they weren't the favorite, you know, according to regular season records on that game against Fraser Valley, but uh, came out, dominated, got the big lead. Fraser Valley never said die. They came back at them, but, uh, you know, the, those young women hung on, and uh, now they've got a great opportunity, final four, and one step away of going to uh, Kingston for the national championship.
0: Now I expressed some confusion myself heading into this tournament because the Westmen are the fifth-ranked team in Canada. Mm-hmm. They were the sixth seed in this tournament. Okay. It made no sense to me, Dave. Did it make sense to you?
2: Well, you know, I guess maybe I'm sort of to blame because I was one of the architects of the of the tournament. The, the reason was it was a uh, it was seeding so that they wouldn't end up playing. The, the number one team who came out of their own division so in other words because Saskatchewan was the number one seed we had an identical record to Saskatchewan in the regular season split the two uh, the series with them the four games each team winning two losing two uh, but they beat us on points in those four games because they went in as the number one seed the way they did the draw so that teams wouldn't end up playing against each other in that situation, so that we would avoid Saskatchewan. We went in as number six, and in the end, it's worked out. I mean, we're in the final four. Sask is in the final four, and as a matter of fact, Regina, who is you know the third best team in our division, is also in the final four. So three of the four teams, you know, come out of the the eastern division of Canada West.
0: So definitely the strongest division in the. In the conference this year, I remember the the Cougars game well. The last time these two teams played, it was or one of the last times these two teams played. It was a buzzer beater winner for Keanu Giles against her former team. And uh, the Huskies as well, splitting with the the Westman in their matches. So it could be Huskies versus Westman for the Canada West Championship March 19th. Definitely want to keep an eye on. Uh, Dave, just before I let you go, how fulfilling a season has this been for you as an athletic director?
2: You know, it's been outstanding, and I think one of the things I talked to the student-athletes about in the fall, and I said, in my mind, if we get to play a season and they stay healthy, that's a success. You know, after a year where, you know, our basketball teams didn't train for 13 months, our volleyball teams had about three weeks of uh, activity for just over a year or so, you know to get them back to see them in the gym to see them training together to see them playing games now to the point where you know we've got two teams who are one step away to go into a national championship it, it it's been unreal and the fact that you know both uh, you know women's volleyball and men's basketball had you know really good weekends as well in the playoffs last week so you know what a year it's um it's just wonderful to see them back in action and uh, you know hopefully uh you know, Maybe one of these two will bring us back a national championship and what a way to you know to cap it all off that would be.
0: Absolutely, Dave. Appreciate your time. Thanks for this and uh, we'll see you at the court next fall.
2: Okay, thanks so much. Talk to you soon.
0: Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9pm. Of course that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing then I don't have a show but I'll be part of the pre and post game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long, and thanks for all the fish.
1: So sad that come to this We try to warn you the day You may not share my